Welcome to Peppershock Media's Marketing Expedition Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in marketing and advertising. Now, here's your host, Ray Allen. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen, and we have a special treat for you today. We have the podcaster of Marketing Over Coffee. It's a weekly audio program that discusses marketing and technology with his co-host, Christopher S. Penn, and it's been featured on iTunes apparently since 2007, right, John? Yeah, it's been a long run here. I'm ashamed to admit how old we have gotten over the years. Well, and look at some of these amazing people that you've had on the show, Ryan Holiday, Chris Brogan, oh my goodness, Simon Sinek, and Seth Godin, all these wonderful people. I have to ask you, uh, as a podcaster, you know, a fellow podcaster, do you ever get nervous when you get to talk to some of these big names? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's a big part of it is just learning to kind of control your energy. Like the first time I had Seth Godin on, I was talking a mile a minute, you know, I just couldn't be shut up. Um, So it's, (laughs) you kind of have to adjust and move to it. Um, But yeah, it's, you know, and that was the goal from the beginning was to get a chance to talk to authors and people who normally wouldn't take my calls. So it's, it's worked perfectly. (laughs) Well, you've done pretty well to be able to get them to answer your call. I really appreciate what you do and the the energy and effort that you put into it. It's obviously uh, gone well since, you know, 2007, if you've been able to keep it going and growing. And and, uh, so, yeah, Marketing Over Coffee is is definitely something that we've shared around our office as well. And uh, just tell me a little bit more about your background. Where, Where did you come up with the idea of doing the podcast and give me some of your experiences that you've had, that kind of thing? Yeah, sure. So um, I had started off my career actually in the insurance industry. I did my undergraduate in economics, so I was working with stats and numbers. And so that translated pretty easily to insurance. But that was right during the time when tech was starting to take off in a big way. And so a big part of my job, I had figured out how to get a bunch of my uh, team on laptops and get a network set up in our office so that we could use email and surf the web. And, you know, at this point, all this stuff was brand new and cool and cutting edge. And so after a few years of that, around 1997, I realized that I should jump over to tech, you know, because that's where all the cool stuff was happening. I could always go back to insurance. Um, But from there, I started a run of, God, I've been with seven different startups over the years. Um, It's kind of been one of those things where I first jumped to a company that did event uh, uh, events for tech. So we did like the first CRM event ever, you know, back when uh, this was even before salesforce.com was a thing. It was still Siebel and Oracle and Goldmine. And uh, from there jumped from startup to startup, you know, worked with a kind of a group of people who were successful and would pull me from company to company. And then uh, around 2005, at that point, I was at Marketing Sherpa, which was kind of like the marketing profs at the time. For people that don't know Sherpa, it was a lot like profs. It was a community and a, um, the leading marketing publication at that time. And that was where I learned about podcasting. And so I started to mess around with a little bit for a couple of years. But then in 2007, I realized that it needed to be marketing specific stuff. That would be my, my niche and get in there and uh, create content. And so that's where I started working with Chris Penn. And as I was doing kind of the last few startups I did um, two years ago, uh, Chris spun off from the PR firm. He was at to create Trust Insights where they're doing marketing analytics all the time. And I was doing enough stuff with marketing over coffee at that point. It just made sense to work with him and Katie Robert, the other founder of Trust Insights. And so, yeah, for the past two years now, 
uh, podcasting has finally become kind of a full-time thing for me. It's taken, you know, a decade more than I'd hoped, but we're finally here. That's amazing. I loved how you said it. I'm going to go over the tech side instead of insurance. You got to go hang out where the cool kids are, huh? <laughs> the, 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 and, the, you know, really the, the geek speak is, is okay, right? <laughs> it, yeah, isn't it? It's amazing how, what a great opportunity I had when the first company that I went to was doing those tech events. So it was just crazy. I got to see Microsoft and Oracle and Siebel and, um, you know, all these different companies and work with them and see kind of how they all worked. And a big um, a turning point for me was there was Christopher Lockhead who um, was at Vantive at the time. And they, they, he sold that company to HP for like $5 billion. I mean, this was back when acquisitions were just monster. Wow. Yeah, it was a huge wow. win for him. And he, in fact, he was, this was when CMO, you know, chief marketing officer just became a thing. Like he was a three-time public CMO, which nobody had done up until that point. Um, but it was funny because I was at this smaller company and he was a keynoter and they said, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to pull this guy in and he can talk to our team about what we're doing. And they thought they were going to get some free consulting basically. And Christopher came in and he said, look, there's only three kinds of people in the tech world right now. There's the people that are going to be in the parade. There's going to be the people who are watching the parade and there's going to be the people who don't get it and are just going to say what parade. And he said, you know, this tech explosion is the biggest thing that's going to happen to us in our lifetime as far as business being reinvented. And so you need to jump on board with it. And so while this company thought that they were going to get some free consulting, what happened was within a month and a half, five out of seven people in this IT department I was in all jumped for startups, they all left and bailed. And it, you know, it was a huge disaster for the company that threw it. But that kind of all got us on that path of being able to play with tech and get a little bit crazier with what we were doing. Have you ever gone back to any of those people and wondered, <laughs> I wonder if they ever uh, regret what they had done? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, no. So one of them, uh, Chris Vanek, he toiled for like 10 years and he did have just these incredible times where he was couch surfing and all this stuff, but he finally hit. And I saw he had pulled in like 12 million a year on this software that he had come up with. It was um, surveying software, marketing automation, surveying software. So he totally killed it. Um, and I think the two other ones have kind of gone from company. They haven't, you know, they didn't blow it out of the water like him, but yeah, nobody ended up, you know, retreating back to events or insurance. Um, so it was worthwhile. So we're going on a marketing expedition. That's what this podcast is about. We're telling our audience about different ideas of ways to market their business or uh, the brands that they represent. And so you're into something, you know, we kind of talked about the, the past. Let's, let's, let's lead into what's happening now and into the future. What are you working on these days? Yeah, that's a great question. So one thing that we've found is that um, Google Analytics is – the, the foundation for so many companies these days because it's as good or maybe even better than a lot of the paid analytics solutions. You know, five years ago, you'd be paying a subscription for good analytics, but now you can do it for free. And there's a bunch of things that can be done with that data. So at the very entrance, uh, at the basic starting point of that, you know, you want to be able to know from your analytics, what kind of content should you be creating for your website? And you want to be able to tell which marketing programs are working and not working. Um, and then you want to hopefully improve your search rankings too. And so all three of those are things that you can do if you've got your analytics set up properly. And so that's usually where we start with a lot of uh, the folks that we learn with. And then at the far end of it, you know, we can take all of that data and on the very horizon is using it for machine learning, you know, processing this data and being able to do predictive analytics to see what's coming in the future 
or be able to mine it and find out things that you wouldn't be able to learn any other way. So kind of shining a light on dark data is really our, our vision and what we want to do. And GA is usually the entry point for that. Can you walk me through an example of what you can use with this data? Give me kind of a, a practical or a tactical example. How can people use what it is that you're doing with, with all this data and, and machine learning? How can a marketer use this to our advantage? Yeah, sure. So a great example we have is we call it the cheese report. We have some food clients and of course they don't want us to share their data, but we've been able to use the same algorithms that we built for them to monitor the cheese industry. And so we're able to look at everything that's happening in the cheese industry and come up with a calendar where you can see, okay, this is, uh, you know, here we are at the end of June. So halloumi is going to be a hot cheese for the next two months. So if you're in the cheese industry, you would have hopefully in the past two months been putting together your halloumi videos and your halloumi blog posts and running, getting your creative ready for your halloumi ads because, and I, you know, I had never heard of a halloumi until the, the cheese report came out, but come to find out it's a grillable cheese. So halloumi sells during the summer because everybody comes out and wants to buy it and is looking for grillable cheeses and where to go. So that's just one example of using, uh, you know, data that's out there as far as in that case, Google trends, not even your own website, you can, that's publicly accessible, but you can take a look and see what's coming in the future. So you can stay ahead of your competition. And what we find is, you know, if you're a month ahead of when these searches are being done, uh, you're going to score higher from an SEO front too, because you've got the most current contact. Even if you and your competitor have similar stuff, if yours was updated two weeks ago, uh, you're going to get the first nod. So if, if you're a mid-sized business that you, you know, you're coming off of the, the COVID quarantine, you're wanting to kind of get back in the game, get back to business, how could a company mid-size, mid-level, what could they do? How could they get started in, in something that may, maybe have, is just so new to them that they haven't been introduced to the idea of machine learning and, and uncovering all this data that they could use? How do they get started? Yeah, sure. We've uh, found there's five areas actually where we can apply this stuff. And so it's just a matter of what might work best for you. But um, to give you the, the quick view of the landscape, uh, text mining is one application of machine learning, you know, putting a bunch of uh, processing power into churning through huge sets of data. So for example, we have a customer that gets 15,000 inbound customer service calls every month. We can use machine learning to transcribe those and then run reports on what are the topics that keep coming up. And so the big win with that is that, you know, you can find out that, okay, these top five things here, we should have those questions as self-serve on the website because that will actually make those calls go away and save us money. Um, a second one is network graphing. That one's pretty useful in social. You know, if you want to find out who the influencers are, because we found that, you know, you don't need to be paying millions to a Kardashian. You can look at who's actually influential on a space. And when you do some mining of the data, you'll find that there are people who are, you know, not in the top 10 or 20%, but maybe they're down around the top 38%. And they're significantly less expensive to get involved with. And they may even have more pull than some of those larger accounts. So uh, network graphing is big. Uh, clustering we use for SEO. If you, you know, instead of trying to maximize your website for individual specific terms, we found that these terms tend to kind of ride along in bundles. And so if you optimize for a bundle of terms, you can improve your SEO results. A huge one for us is driver analysis. Uh, most marketers call this attribution. 
you know, being able to look at all your marketing campaigns, see which ones are working, which ones are not working. Uh, and with machine learning, it can go even further to actually model. Uh, you get a better idea of which programs are effective because you can run the model and say, okay, if this marketing program was in there, you know, would these be more likely to close or not? So it's not just most attribution, you're just looking at the wins, but with machine learning powered attribution, you're looking at all the data you have and you can get a better picture. Um, and then the fifth and final one is uh, forecasting. You know, that, that's kind of the holy grail. If you have all your data clean and you've got enough of a history, you can actually predict, you know, when things are happening going forward. And, um, you know, we just see all kinds of cases of things with that, you know, uh, for travel, knowing when people are going to be in certain parts of the, the world and where they're going to be looking for hotels or, um, you know, when content is going to peak or even, uh, you know, we had a client that does a lot of work with divorced couples and knowing that searches for divorce are going to be doubling over the next six months is something that you can take advantage of. How has the, the laws affected what you can and can't do with privacy? And people talk about first, you know, instead of third party, you're getting your, your information first party. But how has some of these laws within the last little while affected what you're doing? Is it, is it good? Is it, is it, challenging? Is it kind of making you come over, overcome more obstacles? Yeah, that's a, a great question because it's constantly a moving target. You know, that's one of the biggest challenges. And I'd even argue that, you know, that's a reason why you want to get some extra help with this because to climb this learning curve by yourself is a lot more difficult than, you know, working with somebody who's already dealt with this thing four or five times. But in general, it is kind of getting worse for marketers. You know, right now we're on this wave of everybody's concerned about privacy and they're, you know, the social media networks are really taking the hammer for abusing people's data. And so everything is definitely tightening up a little bit. It's a lot more difficult to get to the data you want. And then there's a huge divide between, you know, what is publicly accessible and that is narrowing and getting tighter and tougher to get, but then you have your own internal data. And, and so this is a great argument for having your own internal data and data collection systems all in the best possible order. Because once you've got somebody that has consented to hear from you as a lead or as a customer, you still have your whole universe of data that you can work and figure out what's going on and help customers have a better experience. Whereas if you're relying on outside data or it's, it's no different than relying on organic Google search results, you know, yeah, it could be a great driver for your business, but you could wake up tomorrow and it'll be gone. How have you seen the data change since the quarantine has happened, since the country has, you know, kind of essentially been on lockdown? You people are using social media differently now. Their internet is, is, you know, on a lot more. What have you seen change over the last few months? Yeah, you know, it hasn't been as terrible as we had initially um, seen. And in fact, a lot of the data we've seen has shown that it's really like we're trapped in an eternal weekend. You know, it used to be that we had this very predictable cycle of like Monday through Friday from eight to five, you got all this business traffic and then that all vanished on the weekend and everybody was off, you know, kind of consuming media and, and doing other stuff. And now it's, it's leveled more to kind of that weekend setting all the time. So yeah, and you know, the bad news is unfortunately a lot of stuff is broken as far as being able to predict web traffic or what, you know, user patterns are going to be like and shopping patterns. Like anything that you normally would have been able to base on the past two years of data is pretty much gone out the window completely. You don't have any way of using that same data to tell you what's going on. Um, but it, it is interesting too, in that it's still unique across all the verticals. You know, you've got like video game 
the video game industry is just going crazy. They're having a fantastic time with things ramping up. At the other end of the spectrum, you've got the live events space, which has just been completely destroyed and wiped out to almost zero. So it's, you know, there, there's lots of different things going on in different uh, segments of the market. But um, yeah, you really just kind of have to buckle down and uh, see how traffic is changing for yourself and figure out which way you want to go and adapt if you can. But a lot, unfortunately, a lot of places are not able to adapt at all. Let's talk a little bit about, you, you mentioned the video game space, which is exploding. What other kind of industries are you seeing doing really well with, with online and, uh, you know, that have been really capitalizing on this opportunity? Not that it's, a, you know, like you have to put a positive spin on it in some regard, but, uh, you know, it's obviously huge de devastation, but there's some industries that are really kind of rising to the top through this. Who are you seeing that's, that's making it happen? Yeah, so th this has been a great change for anybody that has a more revolutionary product. You know, it, it, for products that normally people would be like, oh, I'm kind of happy with what I've got. This is a shock to the system that forces people to try new stuff. Like a great example is Apple Pay has kind of been struggling with the adoption. But now, of course, if somebody says to you, hey, how would you like to be able to pay for that and not have to touch the credit card machine? Now suddenly it's a game changer. And it, I mean, that even worked for me personally. Like I, I sort of used Apple Pay once in a while, but now I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I don't want to have to, you know, especially who wants to touch that pad at the drugstore? You're going to be kidding me. So it's uh, things like that have changed. You know, obviously whole telecommuting, Zoom, all these services have exploded. Um, we have a couple clients doing telemedicine stuff, you know, it being able to, for doctors to be able to give basic physicals and get data from their patients while they stay at home, you know, through uh, other devices and other services. So anything that changes the, the game there is, is doing well. Um, a lot of interesting forced stuff in the entertainment industry too, you know, like musicians doing um, live events and stay at home things. Um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of been crazy. I, you know, we've seen a lot of restaurants forced to do a better job with their online ordering systems. You know, it's kind of all these, people that have been dragging their feet now suddenly are, are all over it and doing takeout. So um, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. I mean, there's a lot of uh, industries that are taking a huge hit, but if you're in one that can take advantage of it, this is the time to try and get some change. Absolutely. I agree. So tell me some success stories that you've had recently that, that have seemed to really based on that idea of being able to leverage really the opportunity or the challenge that they've overcome can you describe maybe some tactics that have worked really well just recently? Yeah, a lot of the companies that we've seen do better are organizations where they're having more customer interaction. I mean, and we've even seen this internally for ourselves in that people finally have a few minutes to go and look at their infrastructure. You know, a lot of companies, and this is just classic business, you know, any recessionary cycle, the, the leaders that have the fuel tank to survive can go in and kind of do a top to bottom reworking of their infrastructure and they get a chance to hire people away who, you know, maybe were locked in somewhere, but now either they've been laid off or they're just more open to, to a different organization. Um, but yeah, the, the communication, improved communication with the customer is the big thing that we've seen, you know, um, sales cycles that require, you know, meetings of getting people together and explaining a product like we've seen increase in folks that want to do infrastructure audits um, or want to just dive into large chunks of data. And again, the, the medical thing has been big for us. And even, um, it's interesting, we had a side segment of that. Um, one of, the, of our clients does 
both that medical communication and they also do legal communication. And we hadn't expected that at all, but it was crazy. In the first month when lockdowns all went into place, you had all these people saying like, okay, who gets custody of our kid while this goes down and who has to, you know, find childcare and what do we do with, uh, you know, all these other arrangements that we have. There's all kinds of legal questions that lockdown actually spun up that, you know, it was nothing that we had ever thought would be an issue, but suddenly it became a big deal. Yeah, I mean, uh, literally, your business can be a baby, your baby too, just as much as your kids can, right? I mean, you're you're living and breathing it and <laughs> being a part of it, and we've definitely seen transition. I, my staff too, has you know worked from home, and who's going to be responsible for the work that needs to get done when you know somebody literally just can't come to a Zoom call because they're taking care of their their child, which rightfully so, right? You know, parents first, but <laughs> it's definitely changed the the way we do work now, right? Oh, totally. So, and one thing we're watching closely to see what kind of shakeout we have is commercial real estate. You know, all of these organizations that they just never wanted to take the plunge to to do virtual work from home. Now suddenly everybody's done work from home. And yeah, I've heard from you know, tons of people who have just been like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, I, especially if you're in a busy metro area. I mean, it's totally possible that you could cut an hour of commute time off both end of your day so you could put in another extra hour of work for your employer and still get an extra hour for yourself to do things that you want to do. So it it's, can be a win-win across the board. But yeah, so now what's going to happen a year from now when all these off, well, and of course, at least with commercial real estate, it's, you know, anywhere from one to 10 years, but there's going to be shakeout of like, you know, maybe we don't have the whole floor of the building. Maybe we get half of it and people you know, come in two days a week or, and things like that. So yeah, it's, commercial real estate uh, needs to come up with some exciting new stuff. Otherwise it might be uh, an ugly decade for them. I agree. We're not use, utilizing our full space either just for that reason, because, you know, working from home <laughs> because of the Rona. <laughs> um, okay. So tell me who, who have been your helpers along the way? Who's motivated you? Who's uh, inspired you to, to do what you do and where you are now in, in your career today? Oh, that's a, a great question. You know, I've had, um, it, it's kind of a whole range of people. I mean, the most important ones are the ones that are immediately right around me. You know, Christopher Penn and, and Katie Robert that I worked with Trust Insights. It, the light bulb finally went on for me for entrepreneurial stuff. And that the most important thing is that you're around people that you can trust and, and people that you can work with because you really can't take the brave risks that you need to be an entrepreneur without a team around you of people that you trust. You know, earlier in my career, I made the mistake of always looking for the best product and thinking that, you know, if you have a winning product, you're going to make it. And unfortunately, <laughs> learned the hard way that, you know, office politics and toxic culture can, can destroy everything. So, yeah, both Chris and Katie and then uh, my friend Carol, who she, uh, an old boss of mine, she prefers to remain anonymous, but she's always been my editor and my support. Um, so I have to give her a shout out. And then over the past, you know, 10 years, people like Simon Sinek and Seth Godin, both who have really made this push towards, look, it's not all about making your quarterly numbers. Like you need to lead, you need to be treating your employees right. You know, if you treat your employees right, it, you, they will take care of your customers right. You don't have to, you know, that scales on its own. Um, so yeah, those two guys I would also throw on the list as folks that have kind of shown me the light. Right. Simon Sinek, start with why I love, I love watching that and, and new employees that come on board. I make them watch it too, <laughs> or at least some of it anyway. Um, so 
what what are your goals? What are you gonna what do you want to accomplish, you know, five years from now with, with your company, with your podcast? Tell me what what is it that you wanna wanna do? And I know some of it's unpredictable right now because of the time that we're in, but where what where do you wanna see yourself? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Is it? And I've, I've changed a bit. You know, I used to be fastidious about it. You know, every quarter I would sit down and look at my quarterly goals, my annual goals, my five-year goals. Um, and, and I guess part of that is not business culture. It was more having children. You know, now I'm just like, well, I just need to survive till tomorrow. Like, that's my only real goal. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but there's, there's a couple things um, you know, when you, you think about where you're at, it's even funny too, talking about five-year plan. I saw a post from Tom Webster yesterday saying, well, when you're thinking about five-year plan, remember that five years ago, it was don't ride with strangers. And then within a year or two of that, it was use your phone and Uber to ride with strangers all the time. And now today it's don't leave your house. So it's, you know, it's constantly changing and moving. And I think that really needs to be your five-year plan. You know, we need to be adaptable. That's number one and surround yourself with people you trust. But, you know, and of course, even though everything is insane, like we still make the goal and we just adjust as we go. And so the five-year goal for me is I'm kind of all in with trust insights and podcasting. You know, we want to show people that they can use their data to give themselves actionable insight, you know, by having the information right, it can point you where to go and it's less risk, more opportunity to make a profit. And so for us at Trust Insights, it's just collect happy customers. That's really the thing for me. You know, if we can get enough customers and get their data in order and keep them happy, the business will grow. And yeah, I'm still, I don't know, try and figure out homeschooling and survive my kids. <laughs> Between the two of those, uh, that's where I want to be for the next <laughs> yeah. five years. Yeah, that homeschooling, that's going to be an interesting thing if they continue on. We'll see what happens. Huh? <laughs> You know, I'm all for a child swap. That's been one thing that, because even I've had other teachers tell me that. It's been hilarious. I've had teachers tell me that homeschooling is not working because their kids don't respect them. But uh, yeah, I haven't found any other parents that want to take the chance of educating kids. those kids. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you never know. Like other people's kids might listen to you more than your own. I, I can relate to that. I have a, I have a 12 and a 14 year old. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, that's true. I think that the concern people have is the content. Like I don't want to be, you know, teaching somebody's, uh, somebody else's kid the wrong thing. Like they're fine experimenting on their own, but they're not going to risk it with the neighbor. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay. Just two more questions. You ready? Sure. Sure. <laughs> what, what's your major motivation? What motivates you to do what you do? You know, just to try and make a difference. That's it. It's, it's not, you know, you don't want to just be sitting in the cubicle. You want to go out there and throw some things out there and make things happen. And, and, and the biggest joy is when you've got something that actually works and you've made a difference in someone else's work. That's, you know, there's no higher calling than to serve. I love it. Okay. Last question. If people wanted to get a hold of you and uh, engage with you, what would they need to know? What's your, what's your ideal, you know, expectation of a client that could come to you? And then how would they, how would they go through that process with you? Yeah, you know, the easiest way for folks to, to catch up with me is at marketingovercoffee.com or I am on Twitter at John J. Wall at Twitter. Um, and yeah, anybody that's feeling overwhelmed with data, you know, I, every marketer has this, right? You have this folder on your desktop or worse, you had a binder somewhere filled with a bunch of spreadsheets that you know you should be doing something with and you don't. Um, or if you have the question of like, I still don't understand what marketing programs are working and not, you know, if you have that half of my budget is, uh, is worth it and I don't know which half, then, you know, you can get to an answer to that. We can help you out. I love it. Do you, do you often work with other agencies too? It's kind of a, a, an additional service to them or augment what they do? 
Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we have a, a simple program. Uh, it's an 11 point checklist on your web analytics. And it's a, just for a flat $500 rate, we can go ahead and do that. And so we have a lot of agencies that bring clients to us because at that $500 point, you can even probably bury that in a monthly retainer if you're not able to actually get it out of the client. But yeah, we, we do love working with agencies because they, you know, you guys already get this and, and know what it's like working with clients that have, you know, it could be anything under the hood as far as what they've got for tech and whether it's working. And so, yeah, always open to working with, uh, uh, with partners. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks for going with me there. I actually threw in another question, <laughs> but uh, I really appreciate all of what you have to offer. And I love listening to your show marketing over coffee. And um, I'm just, uh, I'm in awe of all the things that you've accomplished and come to do. And I really hope that um, you get to continue to do the podcasting just as much. And I'm sure one company will start taking over the other one, but I think um, this is really valuable information that you provide to people and, so I really appreciate having you on the show. And um, any last uh, last thoughts that you'd like to, to leave the listeners? Oh, just, you know, always keep experimenting. You have to be bold because, uh, you know, sitting around waiting for something else to happen to you is, is not going to make the difference. You have to go grab it by the horns. Oh, I love that. Excellent. Well, thank you, John. Sure, appreciate you. And uh, we'll get this put out for the world to hear. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, you know, maybe when the world changes again, I'll get a chance to come back out to Boise. I haven't been there in years, but uh, I do love it out there. Oh, we'd love to have you. Maybe you could come be a, a guest speaker at one of my uh, workshops that maybe we get to do in person someday. <laughs> yeah, that. I know. I know that would be a chance to travel again. It, it seems like it's a million years away. Right. Well, hopefully it's not going to be too far off. We'll, we'll keep that in mind. Hopefully we'll get to, and if not, there's always these virtual events that we've been doing. <laughs> but uh, Excellent. Well, thank you, John. And thank you to our listeners. Um, be sure to go to the marketingexpedition.com if you're interested in learning and getting inspired and listening to people, great people like John and others. And we will uh, listen to you or hear you on your show too, John, at um, marketingovercoffee.com. And uh, we'll, maybe we'll cross-promote each other in, in this regard because I think there's, there's so many things that you have to offer um, that really augment what we do. So I'm looking forward to talking with you more and learning more about all the things that you have to offer as well. And we'll talk to you soon. That's great. Thanks, Ray. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Find more online at Peppershock.com. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.